Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Thursday, April 30th. We begin with a look at the confidence Canadian businesses have in the current state of the economy. We get the details on a survey from the Conference Board of Canada. Next, we head to Fort McMurray for an update on the devastating flood. Global News reporter Sarah Comadina with the latest, including the continued evacuation process for residents. Mental health is predicted to be the echo pandemic following the coronavirus crisis, and lots of people are suffering right now. There is help, lots of it, and it's affordable. We catch up with a Calgary-based psychologist on the resources available. And finally, it's a new children's book that aims to educate during this stressful time and give back to the community. We speak to the author of Cat is Scared. In the Conference Board of Canada's latest survey of business leaders, business confidence dropping to its lowest level on record. We're joined to talk about it with senior economist at the Conference Board of Canada and author of the report, Robin Gibbard. Hi, Robin. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, it's no surprise there's not much confidence in the economy right now. Yeah, um, you know, I had somebody ask me yesterday, uh, wow, you know, uh, business confidence is at its lowest level ever. Um, Is that surprising? And I was kind of (laughs) like, no, well, (laughs) I mean, everything these days is a bit surprising, but um, uh, it's kind of hard to see how business confidence would be looking any good right now, given everything that's going on. Well, you know what? It's interesting and not surprising, but at the same time, it's not the kind of thing you want to see. Let's talk about the numbers and as far as, uh, you know, how do they stack up in history? Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, this the, this most recent survey, we, we conducted it kind of um, over the last couple of weeks of, of March and the first couple of weeks of, of April. So really kind of the, um, uh, the most intense period of COVID. And um, the index, which kind of tracks uh, the overall level of business confidence, came in at 44. Um, um, the previous lowest level that we had on record uh, was 67 during the um, uh, kind of the, uh, the financial crisis. So quite a bit lower than the lowest level we have on record. And we've been doing this survey for about 30 years. Um, so that's quite a bit of time. So meaning business owners, business people have 44% confidence or are, are confident 44% of the time in, in the economy right now? It's not um, it's not exactly a, a percentage. So uh, basically, it's set so that 100 is kind of the level that we saw in 2014. Um, so 2014 was right before the um, uh, the commodities price crash. So when things were kind of at their kind of kind of humming along most smoothly for Canada. Um, so we are basic basically businesses are less than half as confident as they were uh, in 2014 is the way to interpret that. Okay. How wide and how broad is the survey? How many different businesses or leaders are we talking about here? We surveyed about 120 um, uh, businesses this time around. Um, uh, we usually survey uh, a similar number, um, and we kind of we we cover all sizes of businesses uh, from coast to coast. And we find that this survey does give us a pretty good snapshot of um, of how businesses are feeling, and it is a pretty good indicator of um, uh, how much businesses are going to be spending on, um, on on capital expenditures, you know, machinery and equipment um, in the future. And that's really important because that is um, uh, kind of what sets the economy up for success in the future. Without uh, without businesses investing in in their in their operations and their plant, um, uh, you know, uh, economic growth in the future isn't going to come. So that's why we kind of care um, uh, how businesses are feeling um, generally. And and obviously, right now, the survey also gives us a picture into um, how businesses are feeling about their own finances and about the state of the economy. Um, um, obviously, that's going to play a big role in how quickly we can recover. Robin, can you break down some of the numbers? Give us some of the key findings that you got? Yeah, absolutely. The the most kind of surprising one for me is about 65% of businesses think the economy is going to be worse in six months' time. Um, I find this kind of surprising because to me, um, as an economist, you know, I, I look at um, everything we've, we've been through in the past couple of months, and I think, well, 
you know, we're, there's no doubt we're in for a really rough patch here. But generally, once you've kind of hit rock bottom, I would expect that things will start to start to kind of um, return, um, uh, you know, um, uh, bounce back. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that, you know, nearly two thirds of businesses think that the economy is going to be worse in six months time, you know, it's like it's tough to believe. How could things be worse than they are right now? Um and, you know, the only way I can kind of, um, uh, I think, think uh, justify that in my head is that they, these businesses, you know, they have a different uh, perspective on the economy than I do. You know, I'm kind of um, looking from the top down and they are really on the ground. Um, uh, they give us a bottom up perspective. And so the fact that so many of them are so pessimistic tells me that uh, a lot of them are really worried about the survival of their own business. Can you talk, uh, you know, as far as being an economist and with the Conference Board of Canada about this precarious time? Because we've talked to several pollsters and researchers on this program through the past six weeks who have told us that they've never seen a time like this, how uh, attitudes can change in a matter of days, depending on, you know, either a government, you know, programs or restrictions being eased or implemented. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, um, I had someone ask me a little while back, you know, if, if you were trying to explain what's going on to somebody who had just come out of a coma, um, you know, what would you use? What would you compare this to? And I kind of thought and I said, well, the only thing you can compare this to really is a work of fiction, because what we're going through is, I think, literally unprecedented in human history. We've never seen such a rapid shutdown of everything all across the globe all at once. Um, so we're really kind of in, in uncharted waters. Um, I think, um, you know, as far as, as businesses and individuals go, um, um, really the most important thing is just making sure that everybody can can cope for the time being and, and kind of get through this, this, this rough period so that um, once we've beaten the virus, there will be, you know, uh, an economy to go back to. Let's hope so for sure. Thank you for uh, joining us and breaking down the numbers, Robin. Yeah, my pleasure. That's Robin Gibbard, Senior Economist at the Conference Board of Canada. 709 on the morning news. The pictures are unbelievable as Fort McMurray continues to deal with a devastating ongoing flood. Thousands of people are in the process of evacuating the region. Right now we're going to be joining up with Global News reporter Sarah Comedina for the latest. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Now you are actually in Fort McMurray right now, is that right? Yes, I'm actually looking over the river, and it's quite a bit different looking than it was even two days ago. It was covered in debris, and and you couldn't even see the water, but now it's looking like it's really opening up. That ice jam that was 25 kilometers long is now 13, so it, there's some huge progress being made on the rivers. That's good news because, boy, the pictures we saw, it just <laughs> unbelievable, the chunks of ice just massive that were in the river, and you can see why it was all jammed up. Yes, they're massive. And then when you're looking at it, um, two days ago, for example, it looked almost solid and it looked like like mud. It was just unreal. You couldn't even tell there was a river underneath there. Uh, but the darkening of the ice did mean that the water was moving underneath and breaking some of that ice up. So there is progress being made. We also know that all three rivers in Fort McMurray, so that's Athabasca, Hanging Stone and Clearwater, they saw their levels all go down yesterday. That can continue to fluctuate, but that is good news for residents and evacuees here. Really speaks to the seriousness of this one. We're excited that it's no longer 25K, yeah. but only 13K. Yeah. Um, on a serious note, we're hearing reports that there has been a death as the results of the floods. What can you tell us about that? Yes, uh, there was a man uh, near Fort Mackay. He was swept away by the floods. It was 
really devastating. He was near a trapping cabin, uh, his family cabin, and with another uh, relative of his, and they were both taken to hospital, and he later died there. But when you hear that, it just talks to how serious this is and how quick the water did rise mm-hmm. in, in these communities, and he had no chance to get out. It's just it's just awful. A sad story there. Good news coming for some folks, though, with the, you know, the announcement there, there will be cash coming for evacuees and the kids as well. Yes, this is huge for evacuees. They can start applying on Monday at noon online. Now, that's $1,250 for adults, and they are giving $500 to those who are under 18. Now, the evacuees that I spoke to yesterday said they would be putting this money towards essentials so food and if they need to extend their stay in their accommodations that's where this money will go towards twelve hundred and fifty dollars you know it will get them a little further but it's not going to take them to where they absolutely need to be but they said any little bit helps and they're so appreciative of this sarah when we talk about the evacuation and the evacuees where would they be going do you have any idea of uh, the closest destination where they could find shelter and uh, temporary housing there are a lot of people right now staying in Fort McMurray at hotels. Uh, when I was talking to them, they said they weren't really sure if uh, what, what the next step would be, if their house is damaged, where they might go. Uh, it is difficult for people to even go to relatives' houses or friends' houses right now because of COVID-19 and social distancing and, and following the rules. So that has been difficult for some people. They have to turn to hotels when they would normally go to a friend's place. We do know that people are going two hours away to Lac La Biche as well. There's residents that are staying, evacuees that are staying in Athabasca. So they do have to travel far right now for those accommodations. And some people don't even know what the status of their house is right now. And so they're left, you know, wondering what it's going to look like when they return home. I know there's no, or I assume at this point, there's no dollar figure in terms of damage yet, but do we have a rough estimate as to how many buildings and and what parts of the the city really have have taken a big hit? We do. There's 1,230 structures that have taken a hit. We don't have, as you mentioned, the dollar figure on that. But just to give you some perspective, during the Fort McMurray wildfires in 2016, that's around half. So it's needing about half of the structures that were burned in 2016 or damaged in 2016. So it's just, it's a huge loss. In the first uh, couple of days of the flooding, we'd heard reports about the grocery stores being flooded and not being able to be open, at least half of the city. Are, are you hearing of any issues to get food and uh, general necessities from residents? So there are five main grocery stores that are located downtown that are, of course, closed. So that means people are going to other stores that are up a little bit higher, not affected by the flood. And uh, the store I talked to yesterday um, is Family Food. So it's locally owned. And they said that they've never seen anything like this. He's getting, they're getting about four times the amount of customers than they usually see. There is no supply issue, though. So people shouldn't be going out to panic buy. They saw this during the pandemic. They don't want to have a repeat of this. There is enough supplies for everybody. It's just a matter of keeping those shelves stocked and keeping up with the pace that people are buying things but there is a lot of pressure now on these other stores that maybe wouldn't have seen this amount of customers beforehand. Sarah have you talked to many of the residents I would imagine mental health issues must be you know kind of high on the priority list for trying to look after because they've poor people they've been through the the devastating wildfires and now this it's got to be hard on the psyche. It's really hard Uh, there's a lot of 
trauma from the wildfires and a lot of people are talking about how when they evacuated then they're getting memories back now one woman i talked to yesterday was telling me that it's so stressful and when she went to go up on a hill to see if her house is okay she can see it's not underwater but her brother's house two blocks down was and she said i feel so guilty i feel Mm. so guilty i'm so stressed why is one house okay one family okay and another one not and there's no answer to that and these are this is what these people are going through that have had to evacuate again they're seeing their friends lose their businesses and their friends lose their homes and it's just devastating sarah i know uh, we're still in the time of pandemic i'm wondering if social distancing and uh, the rules surrounding how we're uh, you know interacting with other people is that affected uh the rescue efforts and the cleanup efforts so from my understanding, I asked that yesterday uh, to the RM of Wood Buffalo if COVID-19 played any role in cleaning up or getting getting prepared for the flood. And they said no. What happened is they were they had enough PPE to go into the downtown and do what they can. But the, the water levels just rose so quickly. So they said they couldn't have done anything much different there. But they were following um, social distancing rules as they were doing rescue efforts and and uh, trying to save what they could. Uh, when you do go on the town site, though, because, I mean, you can imagine it's nice outside, and there's also a lot of people curious of what it looks like. So people are very mindful of keeping that six-feet distance when they're on walks to come overlook the town to see, and you can see people kind of dodging, but it does make things more difficult uh, because, as you mentioned, too, the, the mental health aspect of it, a, a lot of these people need that human connection and touch and a hug would go a long way right now, but it's, it's really tough. Sarah, thanks for the latest and giving us, you know, the, the scoop on what's happening up there and, and good luck to you. And hopefully everybody, uh, you know, they recover quickly and, and people are doing okay in Fort Mac. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Thanks for the call. That's Sarah Comadina, global news reporter in Fort McMurray. 609 now. It all started with an interview we did last week talking about family doctors providing counseling for their patients. Well, I got an email from a Calgary psychologist who wanted listeners to know there are professionals available, especially now, that are trained to deal with any kind of mental health issues. So we've invited her to join us. And we say good morning to Dr. Tanya Haley. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. I think it's important that, you know, I'm glad you reached out and that we can kind of make it clear as to the fact, first of all, that there there are lots of different services for people to reach out for and, and you need to find the one that is right for you, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, so tell us first off, what's the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Uh, that's a great question and that's something I get asked all the time. So a psychiatrist is a medical doctor who then goes on to do extensive training in psychiatric issues, diagnoses with personality disorders, and working with treatment and counseling for that, that population. Mm-hmm. And they have the wonderful advantage of being able to do the medication piece as well as the treatment piece with those clients. So the general population would not see a psychiatrist. And psychiatrists have their clients referred to them through the health system, through family doctors or hospitals, etc. Now, a psychologist, we have done all of our training in mental health and counseling and working with clients dealing with all sorts of issues like stress, depression, relationship issues, crises, that kind of thing. And it's extensive education and supervision of our work, actually. So to become a registered psychologist, you actually have to have 1,600 hours of supervised practice of your work and do licensing exams, etc. So it's quite a process. Dr. Haley, I think during this time, there might be kind of two barriers uh, holding people back, if you will. Number one, 
oh, I, I can't visit a psychologist because of social distancing in person. I, I wouldn't be able to do that, so it's off the table. And mm-hmm. then number two, maybe people don't have benefits that cover a psychologist, so they might be reticent because they don't have the money to spend. What do you say to those two points? Yes, very important points. First off, all psychologists right now are offering online sessions. We were directed by the College of Alberta Psychologists quite early on to shift to telepsychology, so those services are available. And secondly, for those people who don't have any kind of insurance funding or, or um, the money to come and see a psychologist, there are resources. So the first one I'd like to mention is that the Psychologists Association of, Al- of Alberta has a disaster response network, and these are psychologists who are volunteering their time to do pro bono counseling with anyone who is dealing with any issues or stresses related to COVID-19. So that's free service with a psychologist, sessions that you can access, and you can go to the PAA website to find out how to get that service. There's also a lot of um, other agencies that do sliding fee scales and and very, very cost-effective kind of service. So the Calgary Counseling Centre, they have registered psychologists, they have psychologists in training, um, people are supervised. So you can access that service, and they will base that on what you can afford and often at no cost. Catholic Family Services, same kind of thing. So registered psychologists, psychologists in training, sliding fee scale. There's also the Eastside Family Center, which is single session or very short-term kind of counseling, which is free. It's a free service. Um, and CARIA, which is an agency in town, they are also offering single session free service right now as well. So uh, lots of good things out there. That's fantastic. I, you know, I heard that word the other day or that term the other day, echo pandemic, and that's what it sounds like mental health. Uh, professionals are predicting will be what comes out of the COVID-19 pandemic is the mental health pandemic as an echo. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I was reading an article the other day that talked about the fact that psychologists, therapists are really going to be the last responders, the people who end up working with clients who have been struggling with these issues throughout the pandemic, and then it really comes through in uh, normalcy when, when life gets back to some kind of normalcy, and then we're kind of dealing with the fallout. So mental health is really critical to pay attention to. Talk about some of the complexities uh, dealing right now with clients in the sense that you might just in the past deal with somebody who went through a job loss um, or who might be uh, single and, and, and lonely and wants to get past loneliness. Uh, but now we've got people who maybe have lost the job. Uh, they're isolated, the stress of the pandemic and, uh, you know, an uncertain future. Many different facets, I would think, that you deal with. There are many different facets, and the first thing that you really want to do is let people know that that they're not alone, that that there are services out there. So you deal with the crisis of the moment and give them space to talk about things. And generally what I've found is that when people are in crisis, the chinks in their armor really shine through. So um, we may go along in life and be doing okay, and there are areas that we might need to work on, but we don't really pay attention to them because there's no crisis that's mm-hmm. highlighting it or that's bringing it to the forefront. When you have something like a pandemic or some kind of crisis that's of this magnitude, it really does show those chinks in the armor. And so doing some work to calm down the situation is really the first step. And that's kind of the acute crisis that you work with. And then once that's calmed down, you can look at, okay, what are the other factors? What are the other issues we need to work on? There may be some uh, employment issues. There may be relationship issues that come through. We're hearing some of that coming out now where uh, family violence is getting heightened and there's real problems there. Um, So you really look at, okay, what do we need to work on now once it's calmed down a little bit?
You know, down the road, you talked about, you know, obviously we're going to need probably some help for many of us for for some time to come after the pandemic is, you know, over. But psychologists are not covered by Alberta Health. And I think that's a real drawback for a lot of people reaching out that the financial side of things. Why are they not covered? Oh, Sue, that is such a good question. <laughs> I'm sure you've that, been battling it forever, right? Oh, you know what? Our college has been advocating, the Psychologists Association have, has been advocating, but for some reason, I think there is a mentality in the health system that only physicians should be covered um, and anyone working for the health system. Crazy. But we are so highly trained in psychological issues and, and dealing with counseling and, and dealing with clients. So that is a mystery to me as well. Um, People may have insurance coverage, however, and so you can access psychologists by using your insurance coverage. But yes, cost can be a barrier, and there are clinicians in private practice who do some sliding fee scales. Um, but ultimately, when you're out there looking for someone you want to work with, and this is an investment that you're making, you have to really take a look at what are people's credentials, uh, what are their experience levels, and what are you willing to do in order to access the service. And And so there are options out there. Dr. Haley, we've covered a lot of ground and you've given a lot of great options. Is there a resource, like kind of a one-stop shop online where we can find uh, these different resources available and find what would be a good fit? There's not a one-stop shop, but um, Alberta Health has done a great job. They have a web page that lists all of the free immediate services like the Distress Center, the Mental Health Helpline, and other services that you can access through Alberta Health. So that's a wonderful resource. Um, other than that, you kind of need to do a bit of a Google search. If you go to the Psychologists Association of Alberta website, they have some resources listed on there as well. Um, sometimes there's social media that might have some resources, but those are the main pages that I would suggest. Okay, that's great. And there is help and it's affordable. And I think that's key. Thank you for getting your message out today. Appreciate you joining My us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank, that's Tanya, Dr. Tanya Haley, of course, a Calgary psychologist. And uh, again, it's Dr. Tanya with a J, T-A-T-A-N-J-A, drtanya.com. 7.49 now, and we need to take action and certainly pay close attention to kids in need. The Calgary and Area Child Advocacy Centre is open through this pandemic with protective measures in place to make sure that kids have the essential services they need for they and their families. We're joined now by CEO of Calgary and Area Child Advocacy Centre, uh, Karen Orser. Hi, Karen. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you both this morning? Doing well, thank you. Uh, You know, I know a lot of people are under a lot of strain and stress right now, and certainly our kids are front and center, even though they may not be able to express it properly. So we really need to pay attention to them, don't we? Yeah, and I think that's the most important piece is, um, you know, across the country we're hearing uh, people starting to worry about this issue more and more. And as an advocacy centre, we really think it's important to to address that and to, to, to take this time to say, yes, as a community, like we generally know that uh, most of the reporting of child abuse comes from our teachers. Uh, and so with kids removed from the classroom, it's harder for teachers to really be the eyes and ears that they usually are. And so as a community, uh, it's really all of our responsibility mm-hmm. um, to be paying extra attention, um, reaching out to those kids that we're particularly worried about um, and checking in on the families uh, th- that we might be concerned about. And then, and then also reminding the community that uh, if you suspect abuse, 
uh, it's your legal responsibility to report that. So if you're concerned that a child is being abused, you actually don't have to investigate. You don't have to know for sure um, because there are trained professionals that do that. It's just your job to call and check. And we think that's the most important message um, that we can provide the community right now. Karen, do you think that's what holds people back is is thinking, well, I don't have 100% confirmation, so I better not say anything? Yeah, I think that's always a worry, right? We don't want to we don't want to intervene. We don't we want to mind our own business. We don't want to um we're, if we're just not quite sure. Um but I think as even I remember as a young social worker um learning that that it's really important that you know it's your legal obligation to report um and you don't have to know because there are trained people that do and they will get to the bottom of it and they will make sure that kids and families have the support they need um, to work through tough times and to become resilient and to um, be strong families because that's that's the goal. What can we do, Karen, right now as a community? You're, you're right. The teachers, they don't have access to the kids the yeah. same way. The kids are, out, are not outside playing as mm-hmm. they normally would be. So what do we look for? Well, we have created um, uh, at our centre and shared with other CACs across the province some tools and resources for for teachers about um, recognizing abuse from a distance. Um, And we are starting to see teachers reach out and kids reach out. So we know Kids Help Phone has experienced an increase in calls. Um, So when you're reaching out to kids, I think it's really important. Um, Even if you do see them on walks or, um, uh, you know, in passing or if you're in any way in contact with kids and families, I think you're, you're wanting to just ask questions like, hey, how are you doing? Um, be open, uh, be there as a support, um, and just listen. Um, because it is really hard when you're removed from physically seeing kids. Um, so it's just about trying to create those space opportunities to connect with kids in any way that you can. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Karen. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we really appreciate it. That is Karen Orser, CEO of Calgary and Area Child Advocacy Centre. A new children's book by a Calgary author is helping kids not once but twice to explain. We're joined now by Calgary Children's author Carolyn Neary. Hi, Carolyn. Hello there. Good morning. Hey, thanks for joining us. Great story. Glad you let us know about it. Tell us about this book called Cat is Scared. Well, thank you very much. Well, this is a book that is dedicated to our heroes of the COVID-19 pandemic. I have a daughter who is respiratory therapist in Calgary, and so I see firsthand the stresses that our frontline workers go through each day. And I was thinking, I would love to be able to do something just to thank all of these frontline workers. And I heard in an interview a bunch of frontline workers saying, you want to do something for us? do something for our children. Mm. And I thought, I can do that. I've written some children's books. I can do that. So I came up with just this sweet little book, and I got a hold of the people at Blitzprint, Kevin at Blitzprint, to talk to him about my idea, and he said, I love it. Let's do it. And got a hold of my niece, Kyla in Toronto, who came up with the sweet pictures, and we were able to put together this little book. You put together the book, you're, uh, you know, making sure that it's in the hands of the children of frontline workers, but it also has an extra added bonus helping Ronald McDonald House. Tell us how that came to be. Well, it absolutely does. Not only are we able to get this little book into the hands of our frontline workers, and for those who don't have children, we really hope that they would still be able to get a book into their hands too, because the story is still just a gentle way of talking about managing emotions. 
That's so I, when we think... No, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, ask, I got excited about asking the next question. Finish your thought. <laughs> I was just going to say, so Ronald McDonald House, of course, what a great way to be able to continue helping our vulnerable children. Absolutely. T- tell us about the story. I want to know, so does Cat is Scared, does it, does it relate to the current pandemic then? Well, it relates to the pandemic in the sense that it talks about emotions. And a lot of our youngest children, they don't even really know how to talk about their emotions and how they're feeling because, of course, they can feel stressed during this time as well. So the story is really about a cat who climbs a tree. It's stuck in the tree has her emotions that she has to deal with from being scared to missing her home and feeling worried. But how she then was able to find some hope back down the tree one step at a time and learn that it's okay to have feelings, but not to let our feelings stop us from taking our one step at a time. So our young children, they don't always know how to put or articulate their feelings, and it's just sort of a a sweet and gentle way for them to be able to continue talking about maybe how they might feel during this time with the pandemic. Love it. Before we let you go, we want to make sure people can get their hands on it. Where can we get the book, Carolyn? Well, thank you so much for asking that. The book can be ordered, and of course, we are really hoping that this book will go globally because there are frontline heroes across the globe, and it can be ordered from blitzprint.com, or you can go to the Ronald McDonald House website and there will be a link that you can order the book as well well thank you for joining us and thank your daughter for all she's doing as a respiratory therapist on the front lines we're grateful for all of those workers thank you so much i sure will have a great day you too that's calgary children's author carolyn neary the book is called cat is scared